Hello and welcome to the Carousel Podcast. Um, today I have with me Magdalene Taylor. Um, we're doing this as an emergency quick turnaround episode because Magdalene has just published a exciting piece in the New York Times. Uh, the title of that please piece is Have More Sex, Please, although I think it has a slightly different title in print. Slightly different. I think it's like for the sake of society, have more sex or something like that. (laughs) Right. Um, I I would describe you as a concise. What I like about your writing is that it's very concise. You don't spend too much time, too many words bloviating. You just tell us the deal, which I really like. You're a sex expert. Uh, You've been published in the New York Times, obviously, Wall Street Journal. Um, You have a great sub stack, which I would highly recommend, which is called... Um, something that will definitely resonate with my people. Um, it's called Many Such Cases. Um, you call yourself a big naturals theorist, which I think is hilarious. You also write for like Mel and Huck, like we, which is such a, a beat, this sort of like s- sex type of writing. We can talk about it. Um, so hello. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, I just want to talk about the article, basically, and, and you know, just see where you're at. And I think you are reading your stuff. You truly have gone down almost every rabbit hole, it would seem, in our world of online sex, particularly relating to men. So I think that uh, your knowledge of the whole thing is completely comprehensive. So uh how did this New York Times thing come about? And why don't you just tell us a little bit about the article? Yeah, so um, I, I have been, you know, making uh, kind of like niche sexuality, um, masculinity, things of that nature, my my beat over the last several years. Um, and I've really honed in on it lately. I, I was a staff writer at, at Mel uh, for four years, and then they shut down um, over the summer. So now I've been freelancing and really leaning into this, uh, you know, what many such cases is about, um, you know, the, the kind of the, the state of culture and sexuality. Um, and I actually was able to write this New York Times op-ed because I was I was approached by an editor um, at, on the opinion section um, and basically com- commissioned to to write this piece um, because I have demonstrated through my work that this is something I, I really care um, a lot about. Uh, but I guess overall, like I have like really developed an interest in uh defending the importance of sexuality in culture um and you know wanting wanting to take it as as something serious and uh worth dissecting right so the piece is basically saying it starts out as this Drawing connections between the lack of sex, which you provide lots of statistics for and sharing that both men and women are having less sex than ever, it would seem. And of course, we have the birth rate numbers, which everybody seems to be freaking out about, um, which prove that people are, I don't know if that necessarily proves people aren't having sex, but they're definitely not having kids as much as they used to. And then you draw this connection between that and loneliness, 
So you have this stat, the number of Americans who report having no close friends at all has quadrupled since 1990. And the average American spent 58% less time with friends than even in 2013. So is what you're saying in the piece that the same things that are causing our loneliness epidemic causing the sexlessness epidemic? Yeah, that is basically my argument, um, and that uh, th- that this a lack of sex is a symptom of this broader problem that we can, you know, identify as loneliness. Um, and I, I, I don't know exactly, you know, the the way that they are interconnected, and like one thing is causing the other. Um, I think is very complex. Like it's not, it's not an A to B type of situation. Um, but I think that generally speaking, people agree that loneliness is bad, is a problem um, when it comes to something like not having a lot of friends or, you know, just generally isolating yourself. Um, but when we talk about it in the context of sex, I think people get a little bit, uh, I don't know, iffier about it. Yeah. So why is that? Why why do people like in terms of the feedback you've been getting on the article, what are the haters saying? Well, so <laughs> I have been pretty good about uh, tuning out the haters. Um, I pretty much immediately muted my tweet about it. The New York Times tweets about it. Um, I, I really I'm, I have not been going out of my way to uh engage with the criticisms of of the story just well, for my I'm sure own everybody's well-being going, i'm sure everybody's going directly to your instagram right um yeah there's nobody's <laughs> been nobody's been mean to me on instagram um that's good. That's good. i've only gotten been had people be mean to me um on on twitter so but generally i think one of the a big audience of people that's mad at me about the piece um, the, the, the asexual community um, who uh, take umbrage with the fact that I assert that sex is an essential part of the social fabric um, and I still completely stand by that. I think um, perhaps they are misinterpreting um, me saying that they shouldn't be apathetic towards this problem as me saying that they should like overcome their asexuality and and fuck instead which is not at all what i'm trying to say um i really asexual people are not the leading cause of this sexlessness epidemic um so if asexual people don't want to have sex that's that's perfectly okay they i'm not telling them to have sex um (laughs) but it's just such a funny it's just the asexual community is up in arms i mean I, so these the say the people who are purportedly asexual um what are they saying what is exactly their uh do they have a metaphysical basis for that or is it just we don't want to is it you know because many of the other gender identities go to the concept of gender identity or whatever your you know it's this sort of metaphysical condition are, are asexual people saying they were born this way or is it just like a decision they're making? Um, yeah, it's, it's totally a mix. Um, yeah, I think asexual people, there's a variety of reasons why somebody uh, would be asexual. I think for a lot of people, it is something that like they feel as though they were born just without 
an interest in this. Some people, um, you know, I know there's, there's plenty of people who feel like they had like their sense of sexuality uh, was like robbed of, of them, you know, through various traumas or, or whatever. There's, there's, there's not a universal. Um, it's not like one thing. No, I, yeah, I, I don't think so. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I would say just, just generally though, um, the people who are mad at me are mad that I didn't make the article like exactly about them, Mm -hmm. um, in, in whatever way that is, um, you know, I don't, I don't really talk about, uh, I don't talk that much about, uh, gender identity, um, in, in the piece, um, I, I don't really talk about, uh, I, I guess if you, if on a superficial level, I'm pretty much, I'm using a pretty cis heteronormative lens, um, to the piece. Uh, but that's not, that's not any sort of like intentional statement or like, you know, in, intent to exclude. Um, it's just, I, I wrote a 1200 word, uh, piece. And I'm using the data that's available to me. So, so it sounds like most of the people who are mad at you are coming from the left, right? Like they're they're people who are uh, identity groups on the left who are saying, "Hey, this is, does not reflect us, or this somehow denigrates us." Um, I I think so. I I know you know there's got to be some more conservative people out there who think that I'm encouraging, um, like you know and empty sex or uh you know basically just like i don't know depravity in some forms um but yeah i would say generally um it's it's people uh left leaning um and you know i i i think most most all of the criticisms that i've heard i'm like that's fair that you feel that way but i i don't um i don't think that this was me doing something um, intentional to exclude anybody or make a statement about anybody in particular. Um, I'm, I'm basically just trying to assert that sex is part of our social fabric. Whether or not you are having sex or want to be having sex, that doesn't change the fact that the the world that we live in uh, is is founded upon uh, sexuality in a number of ways. Yeah, I like I, what I like about the piece also is you you sum up with this political statement where you say those of us in a position to be having more sex ought to be doing so. Having more sex is both personal guidance, your doctor may, may might well agree, and a political statement. American society is less connected, made up of individuals who seem increasingly willing to isolate themselves. Having more sex can be an act of social solidarity. So you're saying that almost to think about sex is a political statement, having more of it as a political statement. Um, yeah, I think that uh, some some people need that kind of encouragement. Um, and that is what I am that that is the audience I am hoping to speak to um, in, in this piece. Uh, people who just might might not be thinking too much about uh about the role of sex in society and uh in in their own lives and could could do with um a bit of a reframing of of sex (laughs) well yeah you're you're um getting into this conversation that seems to be 
bigger and bigger from all sides. Uh, I had a guy on my podcast recently, his name, uh, his Twitter is Bennett's Phylactery. He's a guy named Kevin Dolan and he got canceled. He's like a famous canceled guy, Mormon. He has five kids. I've, I've had two guests who've had five kids on recently. One, this woman, Peachy Keenan and one him. And both of them are, are he in particularly is obsessed with this. We're not obsessed. I shouldn't say he's obsessed. He's interested in and um, a part of this movement called pronatalism or natalism, which is about uh, increasing the fuck rate, basically. You know what I mean? Increasing the the amount of people who uh, are procreating. So do, are, what is your opinion of that? Do you think that are you more concerned simply about the lack of sex or do you link it to the lack of procreation? Um, I think that though, like both of those things, both having sex and having children um, and the, the lack, the lack of these things happening are uh, again, symptoms of the same problem. Um, I don't think that they are like, they're, they're not exclusive to each other um, and they are also not, I don't think they have to be directly linked. They can be kind of treated as different, uh, different issues, but I do think both of them are, um, they're, they're trends in this, this overall uh, loneliness, isolation uh, moment that we're experiencing. Um, definitely. I, I mean, I think that the natalist movement, uh, like especially as it's discussed in that uh, insider piece about the the Collins uh, family, um, they, I don't know if you, do you, do you want to give background on that? Uh, I mean, I just read it. It's, it's, there's a piece in the insider about this family called the Collinses who are like, having babies Gattaca style, you know, they're trying to like pick their baby basically uh, based on a sheet. They get these like genetic reports on their embryos and they get to pick one. And they just had a baby whose name is like Invictus. Yeah. It's like <laughs> like, Titus Invictus. Titus Invictus, which is like a Twitter anon name. Uh, and, um, you know, they chose that girl, I think from a line item, like on one of these reports and they're doing this Elon Musk thing of like maximization. It's like the rationalist. It's like the smart people mac- thinking, finding lots of ways to think about why it's so important we need to have more babies. And the movement towards, you know, using science to help us maximize the amount of children that we have. And not only that, but uh, the quality of the children, literally like manipulating the quality of the kids. Yeah. 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 Um, well, so one thing that really stood out to me about that that piece in particular is that uh they don't talk about sex at all like they're in in fact their uh their child uh child rearing um what's the word i'm looking for Uh, the way that they're conceiving um is not through intercourse that that's fine um that's not any kind of like judgment or critique but uh for for them in this narrative uh sex is a totally different thing. It's not part of their, their procreation. Um, but, uh, I do think that a a society where people are regularly having sex, um, is a happier, healthier society where people will be also more inclined to have families, um, and have, 
have the other markers of a of social well being. Um, so I do think I do think that they are connected. I think they can be also talked about in you know with, with different goals in mind and and handled totally differently. Obviously, like like the Collins do, but um, yeah, I do think that they there's there's a similar like cultural enemy that's being uh, addressed or being attempted to address uh, in these conversations. So, yeah, I would agree. I think that that's a great point that you're saying about um, the, they're definitely from the same cause, these two things. And they're, I, I would also agree that they're not separable. It's not like the birth rate is one problem and the sex rate is one problem. You know, it's, I think that both of those things um, have kind of the same cause. Uh, so what is that cause? Let's, I think that probably is the best use of our time because it seems like that's what you're the most expert in. What, so what is this cause? What is, why is this happening? Why are people having so little sex? Forget about the kids. Why are they having so little sex, which is the the more important element? Yeah. I mean, I think that people feel like very culturally detached. And I mean, I keep coming back to loneliness but i do think that that's like the simplest way of looking at it we live in like a very lonely culture right now where uh through through various forces people uh have been made content to like stay at home by themselves um and i don't think that that is uh, a good society to live in okay so let me throw a couple of things at you. One one tweet that came out of somebody in my world. I don't even really know this person. I think it's a woman, but uh, we live under a kind of de facto Western Sharia where there is no sanctioned physical separation between the sexes, but contact in most pub- public places, gym, street, store is considered morally and legally dubious outside of a few sacrosanct activities like adult kickball, <laughs> which I, I thought that was a really funny tweet. And I, I think that that's true. So do you think that, there is this um, new relationship between men and women, particularly that is completely like we see these videos of men, creepy men at the gym. Right. And we see these videos of men approaching women and it's like, Oh, creep, get away from me. You know? Yeah. Do you think that there's like a wall up now that there hasn't been before? Um, I do think that there is a wall in this moment. Um, I would also say that, like, the period where there wasn't a wall, like, it, it, it it's very, it, it depends, like, on, you know, exactly, like, what culture and time period you're referring to. But I think that, like, the the wall is there, but the time without the wall was also, like, relatively new and short. Um but in any case, in this current yeah, moment, I, I think I see what you're saying. That's that's really smart. You're saying like the time in which pe- men were just approaching women out in random. That was actually a really short period of time. Yeah. Because before that, it was like closed off Victorian, like only families, that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, there's there were there's been different, you know, courting rituals and uh, there's premarital sex has always, you know, been a thing. Um, but like the. the at least like in American culture, there's only been, you know, it's only a couple of decades where, you know, it it was popular to like pick each other up at bars or something like that. Like that's a pretty 
that's a pretty new thing that I do think there is somewhat of a wall, uh, a wall regarding now um, that it is kind of, it's, it's uncomfortable, like for both parties to engage in that kind of approach. Right. So what's causing that? Why, why is that wall up now? Why are, why is it? I guess what I would say is why, and I think I have an answer for this, but why is it so uncomfortable to, um, besides just the internet and everything like that, why is it so uncomfortable for women to be approached by men in the, in the like normal everyday sphere? You know, it's that's it's a that's a very hard question, um, and like one that I can really only purely speculate upon, and it's also the kind of thing that like that's the the answers will make somebody mad, of course. <laughs> um, but okay, don't worry, don't worry. You know, to to make to have to have the most like the most generous uh, perspective myself as as a woman um being approached uh you know there are contexts in which i do not want to be approached and like maybe at, at the gym with my headphones on or really any situation where i have my headphones on kind of uh, i'm i'm hoping to signal that uh, i'm not interested in having a conversation um but a lot of women do certainly feel like they're their safety is maybe being threatened or that um, being approached is uh, not necessarily not a threat to their safety, but like a threat to their sense of autonomy and like their right to exist in the world without um, being like perceived as a sexual romantic object. Um, What else is it? Um, you know, I do think that with a lot of like a lot of me too and and the the related uh the related discourse around it, um some women may feel that they that, that this is now like it, it re it's it's reframed, I think, in some people's minds like what is and isn't appropriate. Um and it's uh it's often, you know, it's kind of, <laughs> I'm trying so hard to word this in like, not just an aggressive, not an aggressive way. I know you'd love it. I know you'd love it. I said, just let it out. Yeah. Let um, it out. I don't, I mean, I obviously don't care. I don't think you're going to upset. Well, so listen, it, it gets, it, it feels, it feels good to get mad about stuff. Um, I think is kind of what I'm trying to say. It feels good to, uh, in some ways to have been, slighted or to have something to complain about um and it's uh i see okay that's with, not where with, i thought you were gonna go but yeah but it's interesting no i got you um and we are just empowered now more than ever to uh to find things to complain about and to complain about them um and some of those complaints are totally warranted and some of them i think are uh, we're inflating a situation in our head because um, cultural discourses have kind of encouraged us to do so. 
Well, and I think also, like you're saying, it feels good because you get to then get attention for the, you know, it's like you get attention for being angry about the thing. And that is an addiction. It's like when the women post those creepy guy at the gym videos, people cannot get enough of those videos. Yeah. <laughs> they they yeah. love watching them and they love because, you know, the the woman puts themselves in her shoes. The guy puts himself in his shoes. They say, would I do that? Is that creepy? Do we know? So I think it just it creates this great they get so much attention for it that it's like it's irresistible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um and I just I totally understand uh and sympathize with that instinct. Um Yeah, of course. So do I. Well who doesn't? We all are Yeah. 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 Everybody likes attention. Yeah. Um, or, <laughs> we definitely do. Especially especially online. Um yeah, right. But um yeah, I, I'm curious. You know what? What is uh, what? Are, what are your theories about this? Okay, well, um, I guess the, the, this. I didn't want to go here right away, but since you're asking, let's just do it. Uh, in in I'll tell you mine. So in um, your articles, you are not kind to the old incels. You say that the incels are. Uh, misogynistic, toxic, you know, uh, the label is arguing for violence against women and they're untrustworthy of, or sorry, unworthy of compassion. God, I cannot talk today. Sorry. Uh, They're unworthy of compassion. So I I guess what I would, before, like the, I am not an incel. I'm married. You know, I, obviously it's not like I'm sitting around having incel beliefs. I certainly would never advocate for violence against women. But I guess I'm curious why, like, what, 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 why is like incel in this world of New York Times and like the appropriate, like the mainstream? Why is incel this thing that must be like very harshly counter signaled against? Because I, that, and I'm not even, that's not rhetorical. I'm genuinely wondering. Yeah. So that quote that you took um, from, from me uh about incels being like unworthy of, of compassion or insight that is me generalizing how we culturally perceive incels yeah. yeah i don't i don't agree that incels uh aren't aren't worthy of compassion or insight but that's that's what much of my work here is is it's about uh, yeah that's what I was, yeah totally that's um what I so i do think that like we sh- we should have some compassion towards uh towards some of the the incel community um i do i do think it is something that you have to that is you have to counter signal against because um it's there there has been there have been plenty of people who you know are committing violence like under under the brand name of being an incel yeah, we're talking about um, like elliot roger type yeah, yeah yeah and so that has made people think that like this there's there's kind of a perception that like if you're if you're a guy who like isn't having sex and is like upset about that fact then you are an incel like to the same level of of misogyny as elliot rogers or something like that um and i just um i i know for a fact that that's not true there's it's a, a huge number of people it's like it's one in four men under 30 have not had sex in the last year right it's not it's not the case that one in four of them are violent misogynists that's just not what's happening right no i mean definitely and and that's what i was going to say actually your work seems to 
so that's why I was just wondering why it's like that part's sealed off. But of course, I understand, you know, the Elliot Roger connection. You have to be careful with that, which of course I understand. I think it's just then people see that and they think, oh, she's not, not you, just anybody in the mainstream media is not um, wanting to hear that ideology, right? Yeah. That ideology, the incel ideology, actually, this isn't even the incel ideology. The red pill ideology, right? That which, and you're a big Reddit person. I know, you, I'm sure you remember the the red pill subreddit, right? Mm-hmm. That whole thing. So my red pilling as a person really occurred there. And this was not, again, I was, you know, I have never had trouble with women. Like I don't, I'm not an incel. I, I never did pick up artist stuff. I think all that's really, really young. But there was a framework that that red pill subreddit worked upon explaining the dynamic between men and women that I did find to be like extremely compelling. And that, and really helped me to like make sense of a lot of things. And that's, uh, (laughs) sorry. No, no. already. Um, (laughs) that, that framework revolves around this idea of hypergamy. Yeah. So hypergamy, I mean, I'll just say it for the listeners. You probably know it's the idea that women mate for status and that the basic desire of women is to mate for status. So the clearest example of that would be the difference between men and women in swipe rates on dating apps, right? Men supposedly swipe 65 percent. I, I right, I guess, is when you're wanting it. Right. And then um, I've never Internet dated, so I don't know. And then left uh, when you don't. Women only swipe right on 5% of the guys. Who are the 5% of the guys all the women swipe right right on? It's the same 5% of guys, right? So women in a given community are all targeting the same 2 out of 10 men, more or less, right? And in a state of nature, in the world where there's no marriage, there's no anything else, there's no uh, boundaries, there's no um, social pressures, women will converge upon being with that top 2% of men. And the the as the theory goes, women actually are happier that way. Just as men, you know, are happier having multiple wives, right? Having having 10 wives instead of one, right? Like and this is why marriage becomes this compromise where the woman doesn't really get the man she wants, but she gets a guy who's not going anywhere. And the man doesn't get to bang every single girl, but he gets one girl, basically, right? And I think that um, what we're seeing here with the lack of sex for the overwhelming majority of people is as every single societal bit of pressure has been torn down, women's desires are entering this like state of nature, right? And women's desires are all going towards these same very, very small number of guys. And that's why you see West Elm Caleb, right? Like West Elm yes. Caleb is banging every single girl in New York <laughs> because every single girl in New York is lining up for West Elm Caleb. And the more girls he gets, the more articles about him, the more want him, right? And it's just, he becomes this bigger and bigger and bigger thing. And so I think the reason why nobody is having sex is because actually two, 20, you know, 10% of guys are having 10 times more sex than they had before. And everybody else is having almost none because 
the women who are the choosers, you're you're the ones who make the decision. You're the ones who decide who is worthy of being mated with and not. And I think that women, especially the professional woman, she would rather go to work, be awesome, you know, get a bunch of attention at work for being a badass, go and bang a guy who's in uh, in that top 10% and not have a relationship with him than the opposite, which is to settle down with some schmuck, which is, you know, what, what the opposite is. Anyway, that's the framework. I'm not saying I totally believe this, but that's that's like my explanation. Yeah, I do think that there is some choice. I mean, not some, sorry, some choice. I think there's some truth to that in that um, we are kind of experiencing like an, an illusion of choice right now is what I intended to say, um, where like I, I, I do think like dating apps have really like have really fucked things up. Um, yeah, yeah. I I do think that like uh, we are being exposed to an entirely like unrealistic pool of people um, where you you will increasingly like if if you're if you're repeatedly seeing so many uh, high value men, for example, mixed in with these lower value men you're going to just increasingly start targeting these higher value men. And that's, that's going to be the pool of men that you're looking for because you think that you have, that you think that those are the choices that are available to you. And in in some sense they are available and that they're on, they're on Tinder too or whatever. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's the illusion. It's like like the illusion of choice. Yeah. yeah, Yes. Um, And I, (laughs) I do very much wish that like that dating could be, taken more into the real world again i think that that would if 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 there was a a movement uh to collectively get off of these apps i think uh i think that would yield some positive results not that i think that that's really going to happen not that i'm going to lead that movement (laughs) i do think that it's um i think i think that it'd be worthwhile for people yeah do you use them no, I don't. Uh, I do not use the dating apps. Um, and just from what I hear, it's uh, it's pretty horrific. Um, so how do you meet guys? Or are you are you religious? Um, I am a little yeah, bit. I think I saw that. That's cool. Um, not in like a not a very serious way, but uh, my name is Magdalene. Oh. Um, so yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, no, uh, I mean, okay. I think that a lot of people do also meet like on, on social media still. I think that people like a lot of people meet on Twitter. Um, and I think that's okay. That's better than the, the swiping, um, through, through profiles and such. Um, but I don't know. I I think Something I'm very interested in is the fact that every city has like really a, a totally different dating app dynamic and culture. Like New York City, West Elm Caleb could have only been wrought here. Um, I don't think that he, uh, that's not happening in San Francisco, I don't think. And that's because there's a lot more um I believe there's a lot more men. Yeah, um, there is. Oh no, it's insane. You know, it's it's like impossible to not get laid in New York as a man. 
Yeah. It's so easy. You know, I live there. It's like the easiest thing. In LA, it's impossible. Like, right. Know, impossible. That's, <laughs> that's, that's what I'm hearing. Um, yeah. So I do, I, I really wonder though, like if people would, people in those cities would have that same perception of, of things if they weren't on the apps, if it wasn't like really like made, if it wasn't made algorithmically apparent to them um, on, on an app if they would have that same sense of it's easier, it's hard to date here for these reasons. Yeah, right, right. But aren't the apps like, so The you're saying the apps are part of it, but isn't it all really coming back down to female choice? Like, isn't that basically what we're experiencing? Because even the apps are facilitators of female choice, as we've seen. Mm-hmm. You know, the apps are basically a woman window shopping. The man is going to swipe, you know, he's going to swipe on everything, basically. Yeah. You know? Whereas what has changed in, like, like when I see those videos of, of women being like, ew, 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 get away from me, get away from me. I always see it through the eyes of the incel. Like I see it as them saying that woman would never do that if she was if this was a guy that she considered like you know in that zone of the top people that are good enough for her right yeah which is unfortunately the same zone that every other single single woman is thinking of right so it's like yeah yeah. well so i mean i guess yeah you're you're right that like the biggest probably like driving factor in all of this is like yeah like women women choosing uh men that appeal to them and that um but you know i don't even think like it's that kind of situation of like oh like if if it was a really hot guy who came up to you then like you wouldn't be like upset about this um I feel like even that is like kind of a very niche interaction and like isn't really true to how people meet, how people form relationships. Um, and I think it's easy for people to have this idea of like, oh, like hot guys can go up to girls and like, I'm not that hot. So I'm just going to like fucking give up. I think it's easy for guys to get to that mindset when like in reality, you should just be like trying to meet women in like normal avenues like have a have a hobby yeah go do adult kickball kickball. like literally (laughs) literally go do adult kickball well Um, what i'll definitely give you is my friends who you know my most incel-ish friends or even my friends who get laid a lot but they have an incel mentality you should really follow delicious tacos if you if you don't he's he's honestly like the best writer of our generation and he's a, a friend and he writes about sex exquisitely, but okay. uh, a lot of people uh, in that sphere they they do kind of um, enjoy their prison, right? They, they, it's like they're not. It's not like they're out there joining adult kickball. And the guys that do join adult kickball, uh, they kind of generally do meet a woman eventually. You know, like the guys who who actually do try those other a- avenues. Um, yeah, yeah, eventually do kind of meet one. But so how do you personally develop attraction to a man? Assuming that you're in, attracted to men, what, uh, how do you develop that? Like what, where, 
what are the factors in your head? Why why is it better to like do adult kickball? Is it because you kind of like what I imagine is like you get in this environment and you like see a guy from afar kind of and they like have a certain cut of their jib or something or you hear about it from other people like, oh, this guy's really cool or this guy's really hot. Like, how do you develop an attraction to someone? I like. So, of course, I will like I could see a man walking down the street and be like, that man, it's like that man's really hot. Um, But that's never gotten me anywhere. Um, I I form like actual attraction by like having conversations with people um, and like realizing like oh they're like a normal fucking person um i really like i really don't think it's like it's not that complicated um and all men really have to do is show that they can be a normal fucking person and like have hobbies and interests and friends and like you will the things will unfold eventually like you will meet women and like eventually one of those women will likely want to have sex with you um it really like i don't know it's just not that fucking complicated like when i'm attracted to somebody it's like because like we we talked and we hit it off like that's that's really all it is but so there's no physical minimum there's got to be some kind of physical bottom line sure sure i like i i i like certain yeah i mean i do like i i'm attracted to hot guys like i it's not again it's not that complicated but um like i don't know i would say i've slept with like well okay i've also recently learned that like the the one to ten scale people are really working with like a totally different framework than i am like i don't know if you've ever been on the reddit true rate me no well, it's it's horrifying. It's like it's very scary because they take a really like scientific approach to it, where like you will get in trouble for saying like a guy that I would be like that guy's a ten. You you have to be like he, actually he's a seven point six based off of these features. <laughs> it, it's like you guys are fucking insane. Yeah, that's very crazy. Anyway, I like it. I would say that yeah, like I I find some people hotter than others, and that is like maybe more of a, a a physical attraction uh detail but like i i have previously slept with like i don't know somebody i would say is like a five or or something like that like it doesn't looks are not actually i think like the most important thing for a woman to decide if they like want to sleep with somebody or be in a relationship with them like at all right right where it is for men definitely so what w- did you ever read cat people that short story in the new yorker yeah, yeah. That? Yeah. that was like so horrifying for every average man in the world. <laughs> it's like being thought of as that guy with the belly hanging down. It's like, you know, ugh, disgusting to sleep with a normal man. You know, like that's how yeah. it kind of felt. But it's like, and the, the thing is, women always say what, no, no, I'm not saying this to to be offensive, but I, or mean, I'm, I'm just saying women always say what you're saying, which is just, just be normal. Right. Just be a normal, nice guy. But in practice, that just doesn't work for these guys. Right. Or or what you're saying is just more it's I mean, they're putting themselves in these prisons. Right. They're they're building up all these fears and 
and they can, right? That's a little bit of the problem. It's we're now structured in such a way that they're not forced to be in front of people. I mean, this is something I say all the time about the workplace, the post-COVID workplace. So you're talking about 35% of men meet their wives at work. Now that's zero. You know, like nobody meets at work anymore. It's done not only because the workplace is like me too to hell, but even beyond that, there is no workplace anymore. Nobody goes to work anymore, you know, particularly. So it's like, what is now going to happen to all those people? All those men who at least had some opportunity to be in front of a woman and and prove, as you're saying, that they're just like a normal dude, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like uh, that is now gone. So, Yeah. yeah. I very much like uh, I sympathize with like, with people who feel like this is like they're in an impossible position because like in a lot of ways, like, yeah, they, they are. And it's getting it, it's getting harder and harder to meet people. And like I I work fully remotely from this fucking desk right here. Um, but <laughs> I do like think it's good for people to like have an office that they at least like can go to sometimes that other people are at um and like it that does make for like a better workplace culture and like in turn like social well-being um like people don't have friends they do need to like meet those people through work a lot of the time um but I do still think that like a lot of people are kind of trapping themselves um by sort of having like a woe is me attitude towards towards their their sex lives um and like probably the moment that you're like on a forum complaining about it is like maybe a sign that like actually you're not doing everything you can for yourself uh to actually be like normal Right. But what they would say is that's just so easy to say, you know what I mean? They would be like, yeah, I mean, like, duh. Oh, I'm not like, so I'm not going to deny for a second that like, I have it so easy. This is uh, it's so easy for me to say. Um, life is on easy mode for me uh, as a woman. Yeah, 100%. Um, but like, people... I I just I just don't want people to like give up on themselves because yeah. I don't want to I don't I also just like I don't want to live I don't want to exist in a culture of like sexless lonely yeah, people sexless and culture totally yeah it, it sucks and you can feel it and you can feel it everywhere you know you can feel right. this this sexlessness and the people's inability to touch each other and talk to each other I mean it's particularly true like when you leave the country you immediately I mean it depends on what country you go to but you immediately feel that people just like touch and interact more. You know, I went to Miami recently. I spent a week in Miami for Urban Miami. And Miami was, it was like, and I don't know if this is the rise, you know, the rise of the right in Miami or what, but like Miami was totally different than LA and New York. Miami was like, people were like touching and talking and like women just walked up to you and just started talking to you, you know, like whereas in LA that never, ever happens. And it felt like that was like, wow, people are, like, fucking in Miami again. Like, that's, like, yeah. it's, like, wow, people are actually, like, going for it here, you know? Whereas the rest of culture, it just feels like it's not happening. I, you know, I uh, I do feel, so you put a lot of this at the feet of social media, and I think that, is there a part of it here where 
um, like, I think kind of like attention for women is like sex for men a little bit. It's mm-hmm. like, I think being appreciated for being beautiful as a woman is like you're getting the same fix that a man yes. has when you are yeah. a woman is agreeing to have sex with you, right? Yeah. So it's like, is there a part of it here that's also like Instagram? When you're being hot on Instagram, like, does that kind of outsource the, like, are women just satisfied because they're getting all the attention they want on Instagram anyway? Like, they're they're kind of satisfying a big part of their sexual needs. Yeah, you're maybe you're, you're satisfying, like, a libidinal instinct to, like, be seen and acknowledged yeah. in a way that that sex would provide um i do certainly think that that's part of it um i think that there's like what's happening right now i think a lot of the lack of sex uh there's there's a lot of displacement occurring um and so maybe it's women are displacing their sexualities onto onto instagram for example um meanwhile i think a lot of men have entirely displaced their sexualities like onto porn Um, which is yeah 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 no i think you're right there's there's an interesting thing with you and like with anakachian for example where and like dasha like you guys are intellectuals (laughs) right i mean basically arguably yeah (laughs) But you also have super hot Instagrams with, like, no clothes on. So that's for sure, like, a brand new phenomenon. Like, there's never been a time in the world when that's ever been the case, right? Where our intellectuals are also, like, sexy. Yeah. Like, publicly, right? Yeah. And by the way, I am not saying this to judge at all. I I love Anakachian, obviously. And I love, you know, I, I love your writing. And I don't, I actually don't think it takes anything away from you, really. But it is sure is weird. It sure is a weird condition. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say it is a, a weird condition. It's a new phenomenon. Um, this there there hasn't there haven't been a lot of twenty six year old intellectual like people like myself that we are able to like see in in a public way. Um, you know, like that. This is because like there's there's just a medium for me to like have bikini pictures like on my Instagram. Yeah. Um, it's the same for men, by the way. Like yeah, you know, Bronze Age pervert, delicious tacos. These guys are all right wing bodybuilders, right? You know, it's like yeah. our our male intellectuals are also taking their shirts off in front of people. So it's not just it's not just women. Yeah, um, I just uh, I think a lot of it is that like for me personally just that i have kind of come come of age in this uh in the instagram era like where what you do is you you post hot pictures of yourself um and uh i have just kind of managed to continue doing that as like i've become more of an adult and like i don't know more of like a person with like a, a reputation um and yeah i mean i guess sort of to with what with what you're saying um for like bronze Age perder and everything um 
being being attractive and like looking hot is like that's that's good for you too like if you want to be a bodybuilder guy like great like go for it i think you uh, well i mean if you're not doing like steroids and stuff but it's probably good for you um so yeah why not all the better all right let's uh let's do this one last topic i know you have another thing to go to soon but um so related to all of this, there's this other conversation going on that's reaching also a fever pitch on Twitter today uh, and like yesterday about mm. sex scenes in movies. And I think you're the perfect person to talk to about this. So uh, that Pin Badgley, who I don't even really know who that is, but I guess he's the star of some YouTube or Netflix show. Uh, he recently came out and said, and this just feels so like exactly perfect for our culture right now. He's this like hot guy. And he said, I'm not doing any more sex scenes. Or he, he asked not to do any more sex scenes in his Netflix series because to honor his marriage. Right. And then simultaneously, we're hearing all this discourse about people saying that uh, sex scenes in movies are cringe, which I completely feel myself. Like I cannot watch this. I like go like cover my eyes in any sex scene in anything I'm watching now. And I'm older than you, so I grew up in a time when sex scenes in movies were, like, hot, you know, like, where you got, like, a boner watching, you know, whereas now I'm just like, ah, I don't want to see this. So what, why is that happening? Well, first of all, what's your take on Penn Badgley? Do you, are you against his decision or pro? I mean, okay, so I kind of just feel like Penn Badgley can do whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah, like, I don't, you know, like, I don't, I don't give a shit if Penn Badgley wants to shoot a sex scene again or not. Like, I don't care. Um, It kind of, like, it's it sort of like should be you know actors actors can maintain their own like autonomy to decide what kinds of things they want to shoot and what not to shoot i do however think it's bizarre to conflate sex scenes with like true intimacy and suggest that it's like disrespectful to his wife because i just think that that's like a real like inflation of like what it is to perform a sex scene um and like kind of i don't know to me brings up like some other strange questions of just like how he's perceived the performance of these scenes in the past and like i i don't know i i think the whole thing is bizarre but i will like i don't care <laughs> if badly ever does a sex scene again um I do, however, care about that the discourse of that like sex scenes are cringe, um, and I think that cringing at a sex scene is fine. Maybe even actually good. Because some things you you should cringe. Uh, you 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 should be seeing things that are making you viscerally react. Um, and that my issue then is just that some people think that they should not have to cringe at all or should not have to encounter sexuality in any form, which is basically that same apathy towards sex that I was talking about earlier. Um, it's, it, I, I, I think that that is a, a far more concerning um, element, like the, the question of whether there should be sex scenes at all. Um, no, again, cringe all you want. Like that's, you, you should, you should be experiencing something and, uh, Cringing is is an experience, so that's fine. But, well, but why have purpose. we? But why have we gotten there? Why? And 
like again, I do maybe you are maybe since you're Gen Z, right? Yeah. Since you're Gen Z, so it's like you might not be the right person to ask this question to, but it definitely does feel like sex scenes used to be digestible in movies. Like they used to be a kind of a part of it. They were, you know, interesting and um, and uh, sexy and part of it and hot and it like it kind of like worked. Whereas now they're cringes, you know. And like people, the Vanity Fair people already, ew, ew, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. I'm just wondering, is that related to the lack of sex in general? Yeah. Definitely. It, it's it's totally related. It's because because people have like it. Well, okay, I don't know if the fact that sex scenes are cringier from your perspective is uh is a result of this because I I guess I don't know if sex scenes have gotten cringier or not. Um, I I, I don't know. I've never ha- I've never had that exact perspective that they were cringier now than they were before. Um, but I do think that the attitude that people have towards them um, and like thinking that they're unnecessary or like, gosh, some people even like argue that it's kind of like ethically bad to like make people like see sex. Yeah, there's a consent thing, right? It's like people yeah. are saying you're not consenting. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like you turned on Netflix. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so dumb. But uh, I do think that it is, I, I do think that it's connected to the actual lack of sex and it's that like people don't see sex as important um, or like uh, cult- culturally relevant when like it just is. To me, it, it all comes, important. to me, it all comes back to male sex. It comes back to the, the total dominance of female sexuality over male sexuality. In, in our current society. Like, I think that female sexuality is, like, completely free and completely, like, center. And male sexuality is completely not. Because, again, female sexuality is all about choice, consent, the, being the chooser, right? Whereas male sexuality is all about being the conqueror. You know, like, being the one who takes. It's not about the one who's deciding. It's about the, like... uh you know, the like, um, what's, I don't want to use the word conquer. It's really lame. What's like another word though, for like, you're the, being the, one that's not the, 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 insti- but, the instigator. The Yeah. Right. You're the, the start of it. You're the one that's like making yeah. it happen. Whereas all of that is like shaved off now, you know, like that, that's completely denigrated, you know, like not only are we literally have our foreskins chopped off 93% of us, but like, you know, our whole thing is is just like no, like do not inst- instantiate this thing, you know, or else you're going to be a rapist, or else you're going to be considered, you know, you're going to get me too, basically, right? I think that that's, I think your perspective is like a little bit on the like on on the far end of, of like I. I think there's truth to what you're saying and there is like uh you know the the overall perspective that like all masculinity is like toxic masculinity I think is still kind of like really that that's pervasive um 
and there is much more of like a focus on women's sexuality and women's sexuality being good whereas men's sexuality is bad um but i don't think that it's quite as uh quite as intense and like all-encompassing as as you seem to i think that there's still a good amount of nuance and still a good amount of situations in which like men's sexuality is prioritized um and women's sexuality is an afterthought um i think like maybe the the mainstream narrative around this is increasingly changing that um but i don't think that's like it's a universal shift what would be like an instance of that where female sexuality is is like secondary well i think that like in actual practice for a lot of women uh, a lot of women do still feel like they uh their pleasure isn't prioritized um that they are kind of it, it it's like I mentioned this a little bit in, in the actual op-ed that, you know, women are, are more likely to feel um, feel lonely and regret and sadness uh, following casual sex. Um, I do think that, like, there's, that's still completely something that women deal with is, like, I don't know, there is still, like, a stigmatization of, like, women's sexuality in a way that there's not with men, like, when it comes to promiscuity for example um do you think that that's societally imputed though or do you think that that's more going back to this thing of men's sort of natural desire to spread seed as far as possible and women's desire to sort of incubate um i think that it is both i think that it's uh there is maybe some kind of biological basis for those reactions um but I also think that, like, far far more often, like, women, women who are who might feel, like, regret after a one-night stand, for example, they, part of the feeling is, like, their own internal regret, but I think a large source of their regret is, what are other people going to think of me for having done this? Yeah. Um, and I don't think that that's, I don't think that's a... a biologically based reaction yeah that's still sort of rooted in puritan puritanical yeah yeah i think so yeah 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 interesting um what do you think a man's there's also the whole we haven't talked about homosexuality at all what do you think about what is what should a straight man's reaction to a gay sex scene be Um, I, I don't really know, like, what the universal response should be. You don't, you don't need to be, like, loving it. Screaming and vomiting. Hating it. Yeah, you don't need to do that. Um, I don't know. I kind of feel like it's, like, similar to, like, much of how you would watch, like, any other kind of part of a movie. Like, I'm like, you know, we're, if we're talking about like a sex scene in just like a regular movie, no, I'm not talking about like gay porn, um, but like, it's it's part of like the process of watching a movie that like you're going to see things that like you don't immediately relate to, um, and 
how how else do you like respond in a normal way to to that like a, a movie is supposed to show you often is supposed to show you uh experiences that are not your own so i don't it's it's not like every time you see something that like you've never done before you're like whoa like you just watch a movie <laughs> you're watching a movie well or it's like when your people are being murdered right i mean we all yeah violence is, is over overwhelming right yeah i mean it's a good question but it still doesn't change the fact of like what your actual reaction is you know what i mean and it's it's just hilarious that we're supposed to pretend like you know we're supposed to act like oh yeah no it's fine like i don't i don't i feel nothing (laughs) you know but it's not it's like you know we have deep down uh not all men, but we we're supposed to act like we don't have this, you know, any locker room, any person who's ever been in any locker room on planet Earth, any man knows that, you know, gay jokes are the number one thing that from age 10 mm-hmm. you know, goes around because it's it's a signal, right? It's a signal. It's a signal like this is not sexual. This is sexual, right? It's the the, the dividing line. Yeah. To kind of sum up what we're what we've talked about here, I think that what we're missing is these lines. Like like a battery, the strongest battery has the strongest poles, right? Like right now, the fact that sexuality and male and female is this mush, that's Mm -hmm. why we're we're not fucking because there's no men and there's no women and the men are fucking the men and you know anybody can be anything. Whereas the stronger the male thing is and the stronger the female thing is, the more like separation there are in those things, the more sex there will be because you have a stronger charge. You have a stronger polarity. And I think that, you know, I asked the gay sex question because that's kind of men are supposed to just feel numbness towards it. But that creates that pushes us further into the middle of, of, well, I'll fuck anything. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I'll fuck any living, breathing thing. Why not? Whereas we should like brave women, you know what I mean? Like that's, and we do, it's just, there's so much dissonance and there's so much societal, you know, uh, pressures and, and also just overpopulation. There's a million different factors, but yeah. it, that are getting in the way. Well, I just think that like with like a gay sex scene in a movie, like, yeah, like your internal response can be like, that doesn't appeal to me at all. Like that doesn't look good or sexy to me because that's not my my orientation but like yeah you don't need to be like you don't need to throw up you don't like you i think you can handle it um yeah, but it's sure we could handle it but we don't but why why would we you know what i mean like why right, but why i mean we... but i guess i'm just i'm just wondering like what what type of reaction like are you wanting to have like if you see like a gay sex scene in a movie like are you like do you shut do you want to like turn the movie off like yeah I'm... yeah i want to turn the movie off look what happened to bros right look what happened to bros total failure because no straight man actually wants to watch that shit. I don't want to watch two men. I don't. Sure. Like so yeah, that, I don't. Want I, to watch I wouldn't. Ex- I wouldn't expect you to want to watch. Like yeah, Bros is a is a movie about it's, it's a it's a it's a gay movie. But I'm saying like so I'm just saying like if it's a if it's a movie where there's a lot of stuff going on. I can't think of an example of this. A movie where there's a lot of stuff going on. At one point, there's like a gay sex scene. Are you like this movie is done? Like it has no interest to me anymore. <laughs> um. Look, Brokeback's a great movie. You know, okay. Brokeback Mountain's a great movie. It's it's good. It's very good. And, you know, that feels like a, a real story. That feels like a, a real story of two dudes who, you know, wanted to bang, right? And, like, yeah. got, got entangled with each other. And that feels real. Uh, no, am I going to, like, 
instantly turn it off because I see it? No. Am I going to be revolted by the gay sex scenes? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're allowed to be revolted by the gay sex scenes. Um, And again, as I said about like cringing at sex scenes in general, like you cringing, I think is a is a productive feeling, Um, and it's fine to cringe and maybe good to cringe. Um, But yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, there might be something there to your theory that what we need is increased gender polarity. and I don't know. I mean, I, for one, compose myself in a very feminine way because that's what works for me. Um, so there may, maybe, I don't know, maybe there's truth to that, but I won't. I'm not going to plant my flag in that one uh, entirely. No, it's all good. All right. Last last thing. Um, no, I really uh, am very interested in this. But I, again, I know you. I want to give you time to prepare for your next thing. Uh, just really quickly, the the last sort of element of this I want to discuss is the men who actually enjoy or at least get off on the humiliation of being in this new world where they're undesired, right? In the, the mm-hmm. betas, right? So the betas yeah. are the the ninety percent of men who are not desired in this hypergamous framework. That's where that name comes from. I'm not saying that's true. I'm just saying the name beta beta comes yeah. from red pill thing. Um. So you discovered this incredible uh, subreddit called Censored for Betas. Can you just tell us really quickly like what that is? Yeah, so it is a subreddit uh, where porn and also like non-pornographic images of women um, are pixelated or blurred um, to where you cannot see any of the juicy details um, because the idea is that beta men uh, aren't allowed to see this kind of content, shouldn't see this type of content, wouldn't be able to handle seeing this type of content. Um, And so they uh, ought to restrict themselves or otherwise be restricted to censored, uh, censored erotic content. Right. So we're literally seeing like, instead of boobs being blurred, it literally says like, only for alphas. Yeah. Boobs. Yes. And why do they get off on that? Um, because it's, you know, a, it's, it allows them to, like, kind of reclaim, I think, that, that beta identity. Um, and it's a way of, you know, embracing it rather than, than fighting it. And I, I think a lot of people uh, do uh, kind of kind of like sublimate things that are humiliating to them into something that's like erotic. Um, I think that's, I think that's a big part of it. Uh, but also um, I think a lot of men really enjoy having um, choice removed for them um, and being told that they're only allowed to look at this one type of thing and that they, they don't have a choice in this matter is appealing. Yeah. You you had another another podcast I listened to for a second. You were like, yeah, you and the host were like, everybody's a baby now. And they all want to be like baby. They want to be told what to do and given everything. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is a really big thing with uh with the, the beta men. Um I, I think that like a lot of the men who are interested in in that identity like often don't even necessarily fit 
that bill. It's just like kind of a new, it's kind of your classic like BDSM stuff uh, put into like a very contemporary package. Yeah, it's like you're a you're a beta, you're a stupid beta. Yeah, yeah. Totally, totally. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Well, thank you so much for for coming on. I'm I was really excited to see the article. It's great to see the New York Times publishing some, um, you know, things that are sex positive and not just sex positive from the same old, you know, have sex with anything that moves uh, standpoint. You yeah, know? I thought that yours was creeping. The reason why I immediately saw it was it was creeping towards the point of like actually meeting in the middle a little bit you know like actually understanding instead of blasting the same shrieking bullshit at at both sides you were like genuinely trying to understand this problem from an honest perspective which is why it was like i think immediately caught my eye for one so i think uh it's great that you exist and i think the fact that your instagram is what it is and you're owning being feminine as well is really powerful and and really great. And I think uh, we need more people like you who are just open-minded and serious about getting to the truth. Thank you. I really do appreciate that. And I am, I'm glad that you read the piece in the way that I was hoping it would be read as positive, feeling positive towards sex, but not necessarily sex positive in the label that we know it to be today. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So where can people, are you going to be doing more for NYT or like what's happening now? Yeah. Um, I actually do have, I have another piece coming up in the New York times, uh, this weekend, totally unrelated to sex. However, uh, it's a, it's a culture story. Um, Who is it? Do we know? Um, it's about a video game, um, and how the knockoff merchandise for it has, uh, kind of taken over, like, the world, basically. Mm. Um, yeah, that, that should be out on Sunday, uh, in the style section. Um, and yeah, I've got a lot of other stuff going on, hopefully. I, I write a lot, um, I, to have my my sub stack many such cases i hope where'd you I get the name will. by the way of your sub stack many such cases oh i mean it just well it just came, it just came to me um <laughs> no i mean it's it's just i thought it was a, a it's a funny thing that people say online i know that the origin is like a trump tweet um is but it yeah oh, he he was like the first he was the first one to say like many such cases and i was, <laughs> like, and I was like wow that that it i just think that it really that phrase really speaks to uh what i'm talking about um yeah like in regards to like men online often well, I, so. I think it's also perfect for you because you are somebody who presents cases you're very yes. good at presenting cases of your thesis and you find really good cases so it's like the perfect name for you yeah thank you i appreciate that yeah um, all right many such cases Substack, and your tw- uh what's your twitter we'll put that uh magda j taylor all right we're gonna try and make you uh we're gonna try and get my frogs to embrace embrace one mainstream person who writes for the new york times so it can be you um thank you uh, yeah thank you so much i really appreciate it um magdalene great to meet you yeah this was this was a lot of fun thanks for having me all right